Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, the 6th of August, 2020. If you are a Christian, you know that prayer is essential to the Christian life. Absolutely essential. And if you're a Christian, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that, I trust. But what you might not always know is what to pray for. There's certainly times where maybe we genuinely don't know what to pray for. We sit down to pray and we struggle to find the words or we find ourselves falling into a rut of praying about the same old things in the same old ways, as one writer put it. Well, today we're going to find help from that because we're going to get a peek at the Apostle Paul's prayer list. And we're going to see that in Colossians chapter 1, where today we look through verses 1 through 14. And I especially want us to focus on verses 9 through 14 today, because what we see is the Apostle Paul saying that he is going to be praying for this church and that he has been praying for this church And he says what he has been praying for, and he lists out several things. So maybe if you are even feeling right now in your spiritual life that you're not sure what to pray for, I I want you to take notes today on this list. Write down these things that Paul is praying for. And even my challenge would be specifically today, pray these things for yourself. And I want to challenge you even to pick out two other people to pray these things for. So let's look at the list, talk about it, and then maybe you can even pause the podcast and spend time praying for these things. In verse 9, Paul says, And so from the day we heard, which he's talking about hearing a positive report from this church, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's a first great first prayer request. Asking that we may know the knowledge of his will. I think that's something you probably have also experienced. Having situations where maybe it is hard to determine what is the will of God here. Sure, life is going to throw a lot of situations at us that are pretty black and white as to what we should do to honor God. I mean, there's some situations where it's not so clear. And so we can pray, God, give me knowledge of your will so that I might live with wisdom and understanding. I want to know what the best thing for me to do is today or in maybe there's certain circumstances in your life where you need wisdom. And what's the goal of this? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's break some of those down. First, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, seeing those things together. And even a a good result of that first prayer request, God, I want to know your will and have wisdom because what I want to do is walk in a manner worthy of you. And what does that look like? I want to please you. God, in the choices that I make today, I want them to be choices that you would look at and say, yes, that's what I want you to to do. Maybe as a, a child would seek to please their, their father. We, God, I want to please you. I love you. I want to do what you think is right. And we should pray then that we should bear fruit in every good work. 
God, please help help me to grow in in good works. I want to bear fruit. I want to even grow to be more fruitful. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for others and increasing in the knowledge of God. What a great prayer request. Maybe even before you read the word of God every day. God, I want to know you more. I want to see more of your character. I want to understand what you think, how you feel, what you have declared to us through your word. I want to see your glory, God. I want to increase in my knowledge of you. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I don't know about you, but 2020 feels like it's already been two years, right? What a great prayer request for you. And maybe there's people you know that this year has been especially tough for. You should spend time praying that God would strengthen them with all power according to his glorious might. Maybe you know some people or you yourself are weary today and you need to pray for God's power, for his might, so that even though circumstances might be tough, you'll have endurance and patience with joy, that you will bear up, that you will have a long fuse and you will do all of this with joy in your heart to God. And that joy flows from then the next thing that he's praying that they would be giving thanks, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's where the joy should come from. I used to be trapped in the domain of darkness, but I've been rescued and brought into the kingdom of God's beloved son and all my sins are forgiven. What a joyful thing to rejoice in and to pray for others that they would rejoice in that same truth. So do you want to know what to pray for? One thing I would just encourage you even to notice here, Paul's prayer list for this church is not filled with a bunch of circumstantial things. I don't think that means Paul never prayed for any circumstantial things, but those weren't the main things that he was praying for. He was praying for their hearts. He was praying for their character and all of that to be shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think a lesson we should learn from that is that a majority of our prayers should be focused on our own character to be shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that should be our prayers for others. Again, Nothing wrong. In fact, it's right that we would bring every need, every anxiety we have to the Lord. But again, the headline, the focus of our prayer should even be on our character that God would give us wisdom. Looking at this list again, wisdom that God would help us to please him and bear fruit, that God would help us grow in knowledge, that God would give us endurance, and that we would be full of giving thanks. Let's pray these things for ourselves and these things for other people today. And even just thinking about the importance of character highlights something for me today from Psalm 92 as we finish up Psalm 92 with verses 10 through 15. Yesterday, we saw that familiar beginning that it is good to praise the Lord, to declare his steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness by night. But today I want you to look at verse 12. It says, the righteous 
flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Who is it that flourishes like a palm tree that's evergreen? The righteous. People who are righteous have this constant productivity, this constant fruit. And so that's another reason why we should focus our prayers on our own character. And we know that this character can't be worked out on our own apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not righteous. We must be made righteous through Christ. And then in the process of sanctification, we seek to grow practically in righteousness. And that should be something that we are praying for because there is nothing in this life that will be a greater asset to you than godly character. I believe that with all my heart. And that's why we should pray for it. Let's check in now on Ezra. Although Ezra really hasn't entered the story yet, we will see him do that. But we check in on the book of Ezra in verses, in chapters four through six today. And what we see is the people stop building. There is opposition to the building. They write a letter to the king and, and the king in response says, stop. And the people stop building the temple. But then in chapter five, they start building again. And it says that the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to them. And especially when we get to the book of Haggai, we'll see this. And I think what we see here is that it is partially perhaps that the Jews were intimidated by the opposition. But more than that, Haggai really lets us see that part of it was they, not just that they were intimidated, but they also got focused on themselves. He rebukes them saying, hey, you've been building up your own houses and you've neglected the house of God. And that's one of the things that spurs them on to rebuild again. And when they start rebuilding again, they get more opposition, but they appeal to the king and the king goes into the records and find out, yes, King Cyrus told them to do this. And we see that the temple is finished and dedicated. But again, I want to point you to the last verse of this passage in chapter six, chapter six, verse 22 says, and they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. So there we see again, God working even in the lives of kings and rulers that weren't godly people, people that rejected God. Even then, God was in control of the humans that we think of uh, as in control. So that's a great reason for us to trust God all the time that he is in control. And when necessary, it's an encouragement to us to honor God, even when there is opposition involved in that, because we know that God is ultimately on the throne. He is the one that we are seeking to please. And ultimately he is the one who will have our backs. Again, you think of Daniel and the lion's den and his three friends and the fiery furnace and how God protected them as they took a stand for God. Here we see God working in the heart of the king as the people courageously continue to build the temple, even in the face of opposition. Finally, I want us to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 13 through 24. And this helps 
answer a question I got after speaking at our youth camp a couple nights ago. We were talking that night about the subject of hell. And one comment that I didn't really have time to dig into that I made in the sermon is that hell is not going to be the same for everyone. There will be different levels of punishment. And the the, the smart, sharp-thinking junior high boys at the camp were starting to ask questions. Well, what do you mean by that? And why do you say that? That's a great question. And, and it's passages like the one that we're reading today that caused me and other pastors and writers to say things like that, that hell will not be the same for everyone. I think we can see from scripture, hell is not going to be good for anyone. It is a terrible place of God's wrath and judgment. But we see that there's going to be different levels even in judgment as there is different levels of accountability for what people knew. And Jesus, he's saying this as a rebuke to to cities in Galilee. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Those are two cities there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he says, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, two foreign Gentile cities, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. So that's just one example. There are these Gentile cities that didn't have the knowledge. They didn't see Jesus performing these miracles like Chorazin and Bethsaida did. Jesus says, there will be more severe judgment on you when the time comes than these others. But before we go too far thinking through that, I mean, hopefully that's not really entering into our calculus of, well, maybe if I do this, hell won't be so bad. No, repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. But before we start looking down on anybody else, oh man, they knew so much. How are they? Man, the judgment's really going to be bad for them. Let us stop and take stock of the mercy of God to us which is we see even after the 72 that are being commissioned, they return and they're pumped up about what God used them to do. And Jesus tells them, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. No matter what God uses us to do for him, that should never be a cause for spiritual pride in our lives. We should always be dominated by humility, just rejoicing that our names are written in heaven, rejoicing that Jesus has redeemed us from the domain of darkness. And we've now been put into his kingdom and in him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.